there we go. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Welcome, welcome. I, in case you're wondering, I think to the, to, to the, wait a minute, before we begin, when we're all excited about that, we're trying to fade the music in and out. And some days it works really, really well. And some days it don't. And some days we think it works really, really well. And then I listen back and it does, it didn't work at all. All right. So now, welcome to another episode, episode of Banter with Jabisa and Tracy or Banter with Tracy and Jabisa. It is Saturday, August the 21st, 2021. <sighs> Whew. Okay, anyway, we're not going to talk about how the time flies by. So on our show today, we have, um, we're going to talk a little bit about how on the hog. Um, Tracy's going to share her thoughts on Afghanistan. Um, what makes a leader? Hmm. Uh, and then we're going to bring uh, a, a little youth into our program today. <laughs> we have a special guest that's going to share her um, views and expertise on some um, current events that's happening around uh, right now from a um, perspective under 50. <laughs> so we're, we're excited to have her um, here and we'll introduce her when she makes her way on to our show. So now, <laughs> we're going to jump into it. If you haven't seen High on the Hog, uh, and I know many, many, many people have seen it, but if you haven't seen High on the Hog, um, how African-American cuisine transformed um, it's on Netflix. It's a really great show. It's four episodes, I believe. And so we were watching it over the weekend. And, you know, there were a lot. Have of- you watched all four of them? Uh, all except for one. So um, I watched it because it starts in South Carolina and it started in Charleston. And so if you, if you did not know this, Charleston hmm. um, imported the, the slaves that were 40 is 40 between 40 to 60 percent of the slaves that came into the United States came through the port of Charleston. So Charleston has a, a I hate to say a rich history of slavery because the slavery, mm-hmm. the history of slavery shouldn't be something we call rich, but has a has mm-hmm. a vast history of slavery. So they start in Charleston and then they move their way up. Um, by the time we watched it, they were in New York. But the thing that kind of stood out as I was watching it is um, they spoke of one of the local restaurants um, on St. Helena in Charles in um, Buford. So there's Buford and there's St. Helena. St. Helena was, um, if you've ever been to South Carolina to Buford, St. Helena has Penn Center. Penn Center used to be Penn School and Penn School was educating Blacks in the midst of slavery. So this whole idea of Blacks were not educated to end the slavery was not true. They were being educated at Penn Center prior to the end of slavery. But on St. Helena Island, which is absolutely beautiful, we went down and we drove all the way to the very end and we were facing the water. And I turned to my husband and I said, I get it now. I really get why people want to live here. It's beautiful. But they featured um, a restaurant on that show that we had been to. So, um, so I was like, oh, we've been there. Yay. So if you haven't seen it, take a, take a moment to watch it. But the but, you know, we all take different things away from the experiences that we had. And so in this show, um, they were talking about Jefferson's cook, who was James Hennings, who was the brother of Sally Hemings. So it was a whole Hemings family. And I didn't realize that as I learned more about it. But um, James Hemings was um, Thomas Jefferson's cook and had gone with him to 
France, when Jefferson was in France and learned the language, he learned how to speak French and also learn um, how to cook in the French style, came back to the States and um, wanted to be free and spoke to Jefferson about it. You know, he had some funds and Jefferson said, um, no, you know, you, I will not I'll grant you your freedom or allow you to pay yourself to be free, which is really crazy when you say it out loud. Um, unless there's somebody that can cook in your place. And so he um, trained his brother, Peter. So James Hemings trained his brother, Peter, to cook um, as he did and was granted his freedom. And so as you know, you and Tracy and I were talking about it and we were thinking, how crazy is that? Um, but I guess at the end of the day, you wanted what's gonna, you wanted your, if I'm going to, cause we're both slaves. So it's not like we have options. Um, so one of us can get out and we're going to, yay. Uh, but I just thought that was kind of crazy. And the other thing that I thought was really fascinating is now, if you look it up on like Wikipedia and you type in mac and cheese, it's like, it's a European dish that they brought to the United States. But in the show, <laughs> High on a Hog, they talk about um, James Hemings mac and cheese. And so the mac and cheese that he made, which we're gonna try because it looks so good, was made with um, three ingredients, milk, cheese, and butter. Okay, noodles, count noodles, so that's four. But what they did was they simply boiled the noodles in milk. We, always, we often boil our noodles in water. They boiled the noodles in milk, and then mm -hmm. they did a layer of noodles cheese, a layer of cheese, and then several pats of butter, a layer of noodles, a layer of cheese, and several pats of butter, a layer of noodles, a layer of cheese, and several pats of butter, and they let that bake, and that was mac and cheese. So um, for many people in, in the United States um, who dined with Jefferson, that was their first experience of mac and cheese was dining with Jefferson. So we can credit um, James Hemings for his part in um, bringing mac and cheese to the United States. So, yay, James Hemings. Yay, and yay. who doesn't love mac and cheese? So. But I'm gonna try that, I'm gonna try that mac and cheese. I really wanna try that very simple. And sometimes, you know, simple is better. We, we often, yep. you know, in cooking, so we add a lot of this and a lot of that and every now and then, there are recipes that it's really that basic and it's and it, it mm -hmm. turns out to be absolutely fabulous. But if you haven't seen it, you know, I'm a I do enjoy Netflix. They they do wonderful things, um, wonderful programming. And that was um educational and entertaining and um you know just made me proud um to see how and they talked about this how um the slaves were to take the not wants, you know, nobody wanted this. We don't want this. Mm -hmm. And because they didn't have a choice, but they had taken a lot of that and made it into something that was a delicacy um, that was enjoyed by family and friends. So it's a really, mm -hmm. it's a really great program, and I enjoyed the host as well. Um, very, very enjoyable host. So it was, it was a good program, wonderful program. And now we're going to lead into what's happened recently in Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yes. Well, um, my, my comments were that, you know. Everyone knows that um, our troops were pulled out of Afghanistan based on the agreement um, set up by the previous administration. And, and that's, um, Tracy, just real quick, that's something that people uh -huh. don't really say out loud. 
because it, right. it makes it sound like this is something that Biden had decided, President Biden right. had decided to do. But you're absolutely right that this was an agreement mm -hmm. made under President Trump's administration. And that needs to right. be said out loud. It does. But they're down, they downplay that. They yeah. never blame him for anything. If it, you know, if he didn't get blamed for the insurrection, he definitely is not going to get blamed for this. Yeah. But anyway, um, President Biden had to either um, follow through with what was established during the um, Trump administration, or he could have said, no, we're just going to stay here and keep going. But there's no reason for it. Right. Like there was no goal in game. There was so um, he withdrew them and it was it wasn't pretty. But I don't don't know any time that it would have been pretty. But my um, I guess oh, surprise me, was me, me, they've known for let me interject yeah. real quick there because uh -huh. we, we were talking about it at home and my father who served in 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 vietnam mm -hmm. said and that's the thing that people you know particularly because we have television people don't want to understand any kind of, because afghanistan was a war i mean we, we were right. there right mm -hmm. wars are not pretty mm -hmm. exiting wars are not pretty think about it we dropped an atomic bomb on japan you know, it, it wasn't pretty, right. you know, you, you, you don't, you don't have a whole section where we just battle men and we don't affect children and women. So mm -hmm. I don't know how it could have been done where it, it looked glamorous and it looked okay. I don't think there was any way that this could have been done and everybody wants to be a Monday, a Monday night quarterback and, um, mm -hmm. and say that this could have been done differently. I, I don't know. You know, right. Um, but it, either way, no matter what what's happening, it's not pretty, and people have to really understand and respect that about mm -hmm. wars. That it's not going to be pretty. Exiting is not going to be pretty. There's a lot of people that are going to be hurt. There's people that are going to be harmed. That is how it. That's that's war. That is. Mm -hmm. war. So I'm yes. sorry, I just had to throw that in. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, um, you know, getting out, it wasn't going to be pretty. But the thing that astonished me the most is that, you know, they, the Afghanis, um, America was widely publicized that we would be leaving. So everybody had time to prepare, but the Afghan army like folded so quickly, like within a week's time, the Taliban had taken over the entire country, which um, just surprised me. Like they said, it would eventually happen probably, but it's like they didn't even put up a fight and they were supposedly or they were over there supposedly being trained by the American military, which I believe that I know the mil American military was over that. I know they were training them, but I was just wondering what kind of, um, I guess, stewards were they of, of that training? It, I don't know if they were like taken being trained because they had no choice. Like it was um, imposed upon them. It wasn't anything that they would have sought out. So it didn't stick because when the American forces left, they didn't put up not even a little bit of a fight. And so that just, you know, I was like, well, wow, I was over there training for however, I'm not sure. I know the war was 20 years, not sure how long it took to get established and, and get the training um, for the Afghan army going, right. but it's been some years. And it's like, I said, it's like, they didn't even get through, you know, um, fighting a war 101 <laughs> it's like they just didn't um didn't take so I don't know if it's because they just their hearts weren't in it like they felt like this is being pushed upon us and so we're not gonna 
you know, I don't, it just surprised me that it happened so quickly and they didn't like try to fight at all for themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. But I stand, I've got to say, I stand behind President Biden's uh, decision to go ahead with the withdrawal 100 yeah percent because it you know it needed to be done and we've been trying to get out for a while and so he um because he is the leader he's it was a tough decision right and he made it and he's sticking and he's sticking by it because that's what leaders do they make the hard decisions and they just keep pushing through and make adjustments as as you go and so um and that was hard i mean he just basically mm -hmm. had to rip the band-aid off and and yeah i i agree with you that was really baffling um Five years, if you say that we've probably fought for five years, for, for the last at least 10 years, we've been there mm -hmm. training and, right. and um, preparing the um, military to be mm -hmm. able to defend themselves. And yeah, it, it's kind of like, you know, you're practicing and you're practicing, and you're practicing, and your team goes out there and they do nothing. It's like, what happened to everything that we practiced doing? You just simply mm -hmm. forgot, or, you know, you were just going through the motion. So I think it would be interesting to find out if there was any indication of that type of reaction from the U.S. military leadership that had been there. If they, if they, if they are surprised by what's happened, mm -hmm. um, are they just kind of seeing it coming as well? So you know, I don't know. But yes, it, it's it's tough to be president of the United States. It's tough to be president mm -hmm. to make those really hard calls. But you can't continue to. Um, have us there for no reason and the reality is democracy is great in the united states and mm -hmm. it's great in some other countries but it's not it's not um it may not be for everybody's it may not be for every country or mm -hmm. it may not be our place to try to set it up for other countries maybe that's something that they have to come to terms with or, or, or reach on their own um, I'll never forget when the um, Soviet wall, wall fell down and they were interviewing mm -hmm. this older Soviet woman. And she's like, you know, and the communists, I ate every day. You know, she thought the democracy mm -hmm. was for the birds because right. the communists, I ate every day. Mm -hmm. and, and so, um, and, and as much as we want to be saviors, we, we just, we can't save everybody. So that was a hard call. But right. we also have to recognize that there were there were hundreds of thousands of American lives that were also lost in that and mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of American soldiers who came back um, disabled because of that, you know, um, physical things mm -hmm. that we can see, whether it's loss of limbs or yes. um, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, I have a friend who served years ago and to this day, she sleeps very, very little, you know, very, very little mm -hmm. sleep. So she's had- right long-term effects from a, um, serving in that PTSD, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so you have to make those decisions. You're the leader, which leads us into what makes a leader or even why do we need leadership? You know, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things in the education profession people talk about a lot. And, and I think in all professions, you talk about leadership and, and we say things without really knowing or thinking about what it means. So so what is leadership? So leadership is a vital management function that helps direct an organization's resources for improved efficiency and achievements of goals. And it's so simple. You know, you got to have somebody drive the train and know where we're going. That's, that's what leadership is. They're driving the train and they're telling us where we're going. Um, a good leader, a good leader explains the visions 
and what members of the organ, organization must do to achieve that. And I kind of think of those things in terms of um, President Biden. You know, he, he really comes out and he talks to the American public. He just doesn't do things without um, letting us know because we, we're, you know, we are the people who are part of his, he's leading us, but we're part of that as well. So, um, so that's what they do. They explain the vision to the members and then they um, tell, tell everybody, what do we do to achieve those things? Um, mm -hmm. So there are six things that leaders do. Leaders initiate an act, they motivate, they provide guidance, they create confidence, build morale, and they build positive work environment. And when I read those things, Tracy, the first thing I thought about is mothers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what right. we do. That's what mothers do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we initiate action. Um, we motivate. Um, we provide guidance. We do. Um, we create confidence. We build morale. And then um, we, you know, we do a, we build a positive work home environment. Women do that. Yes. Women are, we do. are, we are the unsung leaders <laughs> mm -hmm. of the world. Um, right. These that all mothers and women do, you know, um, wives. I, mm -hmm. I just think it's amazing that we don't have as many women in leadership roles. And that's another subject, but those are characteristics of a leader. Um, are those are things that leaders do. And then characteristics of a leader is communi communication, which is, which is um, important. Self-awareness. When I was looking yeah. at characteristics of a leadership of leaders, one, I kept running into that self-awareness, self-awareness was always listed. Um, empathy, you know, leaders have to be empathetic. Mm -hmm. um, I may not have been in that situation, but I should be able to know how, how to right. recognize with you. I think that's one of the things that the previous president had no, he had no empathy. You know, if it didn't mm -hmm. happen to him, then he, he just didn't care. He had no empathy um, and ability to delegate. Um, I think that's important as well. Uh, as a mother, you learn to have your kids help you <laughs> and your spouse help you. We have to, mm -hmm. we have to be able to delegate. So those are some of the, <laughs> some of the um, skills that lead yep. and, leadership. And so I'd like, yep, I'd like to add one thing too, Javisa. Yes. Did you hear me? Yeah. What um, do you want to add? Well, because uh, one of the best leaders that I've worked with um, was a guy that um, he was top management. However, he spent time with everybody who worked under him, including the custodians and, you know, people doing the least, the, um, what do you call the less desirable jobs? I guess not, they're all important, but he knew the custodians names and he knew what my job was. And he, you know, spent time doing jobs that would have that were considered by other people on his level beneath them but that made him a very good leader because when something came up then he could visualize what was going on because he had put himself himself in their um environment and knew how to tackle the problems you know you lead i think from the bottom up right yeah they say the top down but it's really the bottom up yeah. I, it's the it, bottom I think that makes you a better leader if you know every aspect of the people that you lead. And he was very good at that. He's he is actually the best um, manager manager um, that this? I've ever worked with. He was um, his name was Jeff. 
he was he was very good. He would get out and work with in the concession stands at the um, games. He'd take off his okay. jacket as tie on and he'd get out there and he get because because he said he wanted to know. Wow. And um, he did. And he was when he asked you a question, he was sincerely interested in the answer. He just didn't want to hear fine so he can go on with his day. Right. So, and I think that made him a very, very good leader. Mm-hmm. And he was very humble. Like like you said, he he knew his um he knew his strengths, he knew his weaknesses, and he worked on the weaknesses too, not only not just knowing them, but trying to make himself better on things right. that he thought that well, I could be better at this. So he tried, he tried to be better at it. And, and that's that's just, one of the things they guy. talked about when they said self-awareness is, is recognizing your weaknesses and then being working toward being better at them. And, and you know, we can't be great at, 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 at everything. I think the, one of the best um, supervisors I ever had um, worked at McDonald's, his was communication. Mm-hmm. He understood that you have to be um, flexible in how you communicate to people. So his leadership style was he adjusted to you, you didn't adjust to him. Right. And, and so, and I appreciated that. And he also knew all of his employees. He knew something about them. He would be able to ask, you know, you know, women love mm-hmm. to ask about the children. Um, so, but he had some <laughs> knowledge of, of, you know, the people who work for them and in their situation. And so you did mm-hmm. feel like he cared for you. Um, people would work for, people will work hard. Yes. If they think that you care for them um, and it's little things, it's, you know, little things you do. And my coworker who I, I do, she's a wonderful person. I was buying, um, we have, we built a new building and, and we're, we're, we're um, we purchased, we bought a new building. And so I was trying to buy some things for the bathroom and I was looking at different lotions and I was like, Oh, she can't use that lotion. And I, so I'm trying to think of things, that she can use mm-hmm. because very sensitive hands. And um, right. and so the lotion I bought turned out she couldn't use it. But I remember purposely thinking, okay, I can't get that lotion because she won't be able to use that lotion. So, you know, I'm trying to think of her. And it's just a little mm-hmm. small thing. It's just lotion in the bathroom, but we wash our hands a lot and I right. wanted her to have a lotion mm-hmm. that she could use. So, you know, just trying to be thinking about, mm-hmm. because I know that about her. So, you know, if you're a leader, you know those little things about your people. So you take that into consideration. Um, we also have people That's who right. are leading whole groups of um, folk who have influences on other people. And so our special guest is um, Danielle. Danielle, and I use her word, said, I'm going to bring a little youth to your show. <laughs> so <laughs> she is going to share with her. She's going to explain to many of us who are not familiar with little Nas X, you know, who he is. And then um, she's going to share with us some of her views and I guess the views of younger folks. And then, you know, Trace and I will put our little old folk two cents in on that. But um, we are glad to have you here. Speak okay. for yourself. You always calling me old. <laughs> Hello. Thank you guys so much. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Um, so as many of you, if you don't know, Lil Nas X is a famous rapper who was first known for his um, song Old Time Run, which came out in, I believe, either 2018 or 2019. And so, and so over the course of these past two to three years during the pandemic, he came out with this new song called Call Me By Your Name. And so the song wasn't necessarily the problem. The problem was his music video. And his music video, if you haven't seen it, um, 
he's doing, he's giving a lap dance to the devil. He's sliding down a pole to hell. He's dancing on his stripper pole. But, you know, so a lot of people's problem with that was like, you know, he's like, what are you doing? You know, you're going to hell. You over here doing this. This isn't for something that kids should be watching. Like what happened? You were supposed to be making kids music. And so he said, the first song about Old Town Road wasn't for kids. It was about, he said, I talked about sipping lean in the song. What is lean? Lean is a, a alcoholic beverage that a lot of rappers drink during all those types of songs. How about lean, henny, all those drinks. And so things like a purple drink that's mixed with some type of like cough syrup, okay. which can become like very addicted. There have been people who have actually gotten addicted to lean because there's some type of drug in it that is addictive. Okay. Mm. So he talks about sipping lean in the song. He's like, I said that. But what happened was a popular app called TikTok took over the song and made a dance so it seemed like I was kid appropriate when hindsight is 2020 it really wasn't but because kids took over it you know everybody's like oh it's fine the kids are listening to it there's no big deal so nobody really looked into it deeper so then that was a problem when he went from this like you know quote-unquote kids song to this song and music video where he's giving the devil a lap dance and Going down a stripper pole, I would just like to point out his braids are beautifully done. Whoever did his wig, <laughs> those feeding braids were beautiful. But mm-hmm. let me just throw this in in case people are not aware of it. He is gay. Yes, Lil Nas X is one of the members of the uh, LGBTQ plus community. So he came out in either 2017 or 2018 or maybe even 2019, between that time period. And he was like, go listen back to one of my songs. And you will notice that I come out in one of my songs. So then the whole thing was like, you know, once he came out, I think he came out, I want to say after Old Time Road. I might be wrong, but I think exactly. he came out after Old Time, Old Time Road. Road. Yeah. And so that was the inspiration behind, like, you know, Dancing with the Devil. is like, you already told him I'm going to hell because I'm gay. I'm embracing it. Now it's the problem. So that was his whole view on that. And that's where the mm-hmm. mindset was going with that. And so then and his most recent uh, song, Industry Baby, which the song is really good. The message behind it, he's saying like, you know, I'm not a one hit wonder yeah. type of artist. I have really great songs. Like I've won Grammys, I've won plaques. Like y'all really think I'm just here for one song. And that's mm-hmm. not who I am. So the song lyrics and the meaning behind it is really powerful. But we have one of his music videos where in this one, there's a shower scene because he's in prison. And so, you know, the whole thing was like being the in prison. setting of the videos in prison. Okay. Right. And so the whole thing being in prison, it's like, you know, don't drop the soap. That's the whole thing. And so, of course, there's a shower scene. And in the shower scene, everybody's naked. And it's a bunch of naked men in the shower scene. Black men. And everything's blurred. So you can't see anything. Um, but it's a naked shower scene. And so then before he even put out the video, he did it, he put out a tweet, but I saw it because it was on TikTok. And he said, I'm telling you now, this video is not for kids. So don't come running to me and telling me that your kid is watching this video when I already told you this video is not for kids. So he came out when he said Mm -hmm. that and he was right. It is not for kids. I saw Mm -hmm. it because one of my friends watched it. It was like, have you seen this? Like, no, I haven't seen that. I don't. I personally don't listen to music when it first comes out because I feel it's overhyped. So I didn't know about like, you know, Call Me By Your Name until like maybe two, three weeks after. Like I've heard of it, but I didn't listen to or watch the video until afterwards because like, you know, when music first comes out, it's everybody's really excited to listen to it and like, you know, hear it. So I don't listen to stuff till like it come, later comes out. So this is my first time hearing like a song when it first came out. So the song was absolutely beautiful. 
And so besides the shower scene, there's like a very interesting scene where if anybody's watched Victorious on Nickelodeon, towards like the end of season three, there's like a jailhouse scene where like they're all singing and dancing. So everybody kind of like took, everybody thought he took a rip off of that for that video. And so it's very interesting because after um, Call Me By My Name, Call Me By Your Name came out, I was having a conversation with my mom and she was like, do you think what he does affects the whole community? I told her no. And I said this because people in America already have their mentality or mindset of what a black person, a black female, a black young lady, a black LGBTQ plus community looks like. They already have that in your mind. Like for instance, when somebody says a black gay male, stereotypically you think of a tall gay guy who you know can obviously tell his head is shaved, he walks like he's gay, he talks like he's gay, he talks like he's feminine, he walks like it. You know that. That's already stereotypically what everybody thinks when you think of a Black gay male in America. When you think of a Black woman in America today, all you think of are these women running around with bonnets on their head and slides and have the bonnets on their babies or people throwing drinks or pulling hair and fighting. That's what you think of because that's how it is portrayed on TV or that's what you see in real life. Like you don't see everyday people like you or my mother who walk around and carry themselves to a high standard, who dress nice and then go to work, whose hair is done when they walk out the house. You know, you don't see that. When you think of black males, you think rappers, people with dreads, people who carry guns, people who game, but you don't think of men who actually hold good and steady jobs or guys who haven't been to jail. That's not how it's portrayed in America. That's not what TV shows you. That's not what anybody tells you. So mom asked me, I said, I don't think what he did affected the community because people already have their America is such a closed off country and isn't willing to change or learn to accept new things that being a member of the LGBTQ plus community already as hard as it is and granted what he did probably didn't make it any easier I understand that mm -hmm. but I also know that because America's already so against it that maybe he might have put him back maybe he didn't in my eyes he did it He's one person. And granted, he does have a really big platform, but the fact that he was okay and willing to express himself in the way that he did, now it was a little extra, but he still expressed himself and showed that. And so for a lot of people, it's like him, you know, showing off or showing out, like, you know, he's just doing this for a little bit or whatever, but it could just be him expressing himself. And in a way, if he's that comfortable expressing himself to where he can see millions of people can see it and have a hundred thousand opinion on it and how bad it is or whatever you want to call it that it can give hope to other members of the uh, lgbtq plus community to where they can feel comfortable doing the same thing where if you see Lil Nas X come out as a gay rapper in 2019 2020 then maybe they feel comfortable coming out to their parents as gay or bisexual or pansexual or whatever they choose to identify as so i think what he did helped and hindered but I also don't think it made that big of a difference because their mindset of what the community looks like or what those people look like has already been set in stone that the only thing he could have done was maybe made a slight little chip in it, just a little chip because the only people who really aren't <laughs> gonna like it are you know, people who have been taught for generations and generations and generations to not only hate or don't like or have really, really bad feelings towards people of color or people who don't look like them or people who don't associate with them. That's already been engraved in them. But I, I think one of the things that is, is different in, in, in views, generational, is that 
we grew up with this kind of when we when we step out we represent all of black america because the interactions that i may have with i may be the only interaction that this white person may have outside of what they may view on television and video and instagram and all those other things to, are into play as well now and i think her generation is like you know i'm going to do i'm going to do me and I, I don't represent everybody. And it's, mm -hmm. it's an interesting what she said. And, and as she was talking about, you know, the fact that, and I think that part of that is true because, you know, we have been trying to change white folks' minds for years. And no matter how fine we dress, no matter how intelligent we are, um, mm -hmm. you know, in South Carolina, you, I don't know if you remember this, Tracy, we talked about this when they had in last year in the midst of the Black Lives Movement, they had a had a, um, a protest here in South Carolina. And then, and so the protest started off peaceful and then it became um, violent in, in, the, in the Vista area. So mm -hmm. then they had a whole nother protest of black people in their Sunday best marching mm -hmm. to kind of show or to show that we right. are, yeah, nobody else like goes back and marches again to prove you, prove to anybody else that we're great. You know, no other group right. does that. Like, like the Ku Klux Klan will come out and remarch and yeah. you know, in their Sunday best, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So part of me, that's a perspective I hadn't considered. It's like, no matter what you do, you're not gonna change anybody's mind. But then this part of me is like, oh, but we still gotta represent the we best still gotta fight. because they are so stuck on the worst of us. And we, you know, it's like, we just keep, if we just keep showing the best, we keep showing the best, but maybe, maybe Hopefully that doesn't that's what I it. Yeah. You know what, Jabisa, I too, um, I agree. I, Cause we're gonna, I think that's just the way we are. We're gonna keep showing the best and they may never see it. But the yeah. thing that kind of, when listening to young Danielle, it just kind of made me sad because, you know, she's a baby and she feels like, like, you know, they already see us for how they see us. So she's a very young person with that, you know, actually that's something more for us. Like they see us how they see us, but I would, I would hope that a young person would be more optimistic, like, well, we can change this perception, but you know, they, they see it. They're not blind. They're young. They're yeah. not stupid and, and they're not blind. So that, yeah, that was thing that touched me. He's like, you know, they're going to see what they want to see regardless of what I try to do. Yeah. Which is a sad yeah. testament to where we are in these United States in 2021. It is. I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what effect he's had on the LBGTQ plus community. Man, that's a lot. <laughs> um, um, and, and I watched the video I mean, it's, it's, they could have danced with clothes on. I think that was just shock value. You know, he, yep. he could have done it the is. same video. Because you get people mm -hmm. talking about it, but, you know, because they do the, right. basically they do the same dance scene in the yard with clothes on. So he could have done it with clothes on. And, and then I think I really had a, a, a better appreciation of him as an artist. You know, he's clearly a, a you know, a good rapper. Um, mm -hmm. He's a um, good user of language because if you, you have to really listen to pick up some of the messages. Um, and I mean, see, he's a handsome fella. I, I got caught up yeah. on a white fingernail polish though. I was like, oh my God, is his fingers painted white? <laughs> I really, that really stuck with me. And a good dancer. Um, yeah, you know, he's very good. He's very talented. 
incredibly talented, incredibly mm -hmm. talented. So, you know, it may have very little effect on that community. I don't know. That's, that's not my community. So I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, like you said, I agree that the fact that she uh, at a young age is like, you know, I'm not really trying to prove anything because your mind is already made up. Um, right. Maybe that's the perspective that we, we might need to take and just do can do us. Uh, yeah. So, so if you think that that we're all of these things over here, well, man, your mind is going to be blown when you realize that we're not. So maybe, maybe our approach has been wrong all these years. You know what? That's the only one that we knew. It's like we just always thought that we could just show, we can just show you like that. But they're gonna, like you said, they're gonna, like Danielle said, I think they're gonna see what they want to see. Um, and I don't know, yeah, are we? Can we change our? <laughs> our way of doing things because we've been doing i'm thinking of the old dog new tricks yeah. <laughs> i just don't know if i can pivot you know <laughs> if i can, can pivot to just do me yeah we can <laughs> to just do we, me just all do right me. so i gotta so i'm gonna go to the grocery store i, I gotta go find me a bonnet so i can wear <laughs> some bonnet a bonnet and some slides in the grocery store <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not doing. I'm still not. My hair will be combed and I will be dressed. <laughs> well, um, we got to have the courage of our convictions. <laughs> Danielle, anything else you want to share with us from the younger perspective? Well, I mean, you know, just in general, generational wise, like everything is different. And I don't want necessarily people to take away that I think, like, you know, things aren't going to change because they will. At some point in time, things will change. It will. It will be today yes. and it'll be tomorrow. And maybe like 50 years down the road, but things will change. Yes. And so when I say that, like, you know, at the end of the day, whether you realize it or not, whatever the situation may be, whether it's, you know, how you look, how you dress, how you talk, whatever, people's minds is already made up. And it's it's a very hard thing, and especially if it has been generationalized, like I said, it is a very hard thing to change. Not that it can't be changed. It's just incredibly hard to do so. Like, look, we're still fighting against police officers to this day to stop killing us for no reason. We're still out here protesting. In the middle of a pandemic, mm -hmm. people are risking their lives to get COVID, to protest, to say, stop killing us. We're not doing any harm. We're being blamed mm -hmm. for the violent attacks when really in all reality, the white people are the ones who are throwing the rocks and shooting people and doing all that stuff. But because for some reason, black people have been labeled as aggressive yeah. or violent, it's automatically put on us. When nine times out of 10, it's really the white person, but it has been put and labeled on us that we're that type of person. That's showing you in 2020 mm -hmm. how bad or how stereotypical or how stuck in one way this country is mm -hmm. and when I say it doesn't affect I mean I still walk out the house and I, I my parents have always taught me dress well because you never know who you're going to see and I right. still do that and mm -hmm. I'm not in my mind I walk out the house because that's what my parents told me I don't walk out the house to change a white person's mind about how I dress I don't I could care less <laughs> anything about how I dress I really do but I do yeah. I never know who I'm I just want to say she is concerned about what her friends think about her dress I'm just gonna say that okay well, that's a part. That's a teenager. <laughs> that's a part of growing up. That's a part. That's teenage life. Yeah, yeah. So that but I don't do totally it. understandable. A white person. Half the time, I don't really care what my friends think because at the end of the day, it's what I wear and what I feel comfortable doing. That's and right. That's what Lil Nas X was showing. Like I feel comfortable doing this. I'm mm -hmm. okay with being this. I'm okay with getting this hate and this backlash or whatever because mm -hmm. I'm showing you 
this is what I'm doing to, in a way, without people may not even realize it, to push us forward because I'm stepping out. I'm showing you that I can do this so other people can follow behind me and do the same thing. So mm-hmm. in some ways, I think it is important to do you because doing you can be a trendsetting thing. You can do that. Other people will start doing that. And you have a bunch of people being, you know, not following other people, not playing following the leader or doing what they want to do. And eventually you start seeing multiple people do the same thing over and over again. People are like, well, huh, maybe we should change this or maybe we should change the way that we think mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. So sometimes mm-hmm. doing you really is the best option that you can have. Because doing you, you start trends, you know, you do what you want, you wear what you want, and you feel comfortable doing it. That's the most important thing is you got to feel comfortable doing it. Because if you don't feel comfortable, it's going to show. Mm-hmm. Like I started, this is my sophomore year in high yep. school, and this is my first year actually in school for mm-hmm. virtual last year. I walk in the building every day like I run the place as a sophomore. Nobody knows me. <laughs> I walk in there like I run the place because there are young girls or people who haven't been there before who are scared and who mm-hmm. don't necessarily know, you know, who to look at or what to do. I do that so mm-hmm. they can be like, look at her. She's walking by mm-hmm. herself and she's okay with it. She's confident in it. She's confident yes. in what she yes. I do that mm-hmm. to let other people and tell them to be confident. I sit by myself at lunch. That's a choice that I make because I choose yeah. to do that. I want to be there in case somebody else doesn't have anybody to sit with. I'm like, you can come sit with me. That's what you can right. do. Right. So sometimes being by yourself and being confident and being okay with doing you by yourself is mm-hmm. the best thing that you can do. That and you know that's really rare for high school kids because they're always wanting to fit in, always wanting to be with somebody. So Danielle, that's a level of maturity and self confidence you possess that I don't know um, a whole that a whole bunch of people your age in high school would because I. I'm out of the high school game now, so I'm not sure what's going on there, but I imagine it's still the same, like everybody's trying to be in a little group, and the fact that you, you know, walk by yourself and sit by yourself and are comfortable in that is fantastic. I I must say I'm very proud. I'm a proud Mm -hmm. mama. You should be. You should be. I'm a proud mama, but but we should be able to do that as adults, you know, Mm -hmm. as as adults. Well, we can. I can now. Yeah. But I wouldn't have been able to do that in high school. <laughs> Probably not in high school. I was able to do it in my 20s, but you know, I've always been definitely not in the 10th grade. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some hope for our youth. Um, I am yep. encouraged. I'm encouraged. I, I am I, too. I look, at, I look at her, I look at your daughters, I look at my oldest. Um, I'm encouraged. Um, things yep. it was funny because she was saying things would, would change, and I'm thinking, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, um, we did an activity at work and it says, I, I can't imagine I can't imagine the world without. And when the when the teacher said this, we were creating this chart. And the first thing that came to my mind is I can't imagine a world without racism. I cannot, mm-hmm. Tracy, I cannot visualize living in an America where there is no racism. Wow. Which is sad racism. when you say it out loud. Well, to be so it's very sad. It's very sad. But fortunately for you, you will never have to realize that because I think it's going to be around at least through our lives. <laughs> no worries on that Only one. You, you will never have to know. Yes. <laughs> you are so Danielle, right thank that. you so, so much. Oh, thank you so, so much, Danielle, for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you. And to be do we have our business? We do, we do, we do, we do, we do. 
Um, now, and, and of course, with the business I'm sharing with you is, um, well, of course, you don't know this. I'm saying, of course, it is um, a local <laughs> business that's Black-owned because we promote Black-owned businesses here on our, on our podcast. Uh, it is called Harlem's Closet. But I just want to say, just because the business is here in Colombia, many of them, except for maybe the food, is the food and restaurants, have websites. Mm-hmm. So you can always go onto their websites and, um, and support them via purchasing things online. But it's Harlem's Closet. It's recently opened. It's a small little, they were featured on our local um, television station. It's a small little um, shop on Gervais Street. And um, it's owned by three um, young people. And they just are lovers of um, tennis shoes. And in addition to them owning mm-hmm. the um, the business, they are also, and you could tell in the interview, they are there to support the community and encourage young people and support them. They talked about maybe a shoe trade off or something like that. So um, they're just not about um, having a business, but they, they look based on that interview to be a very much part of the community. And that's mm-hmm. what any good business does as because a business is also a leader. Hey, we're all about leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm real excited for them. Um, it's, a, it's a group of young people. I'm you know, thrilled and they seem passionate about what they're doing. And so, you know, we want to wish them much success as always. If you are um, listening to our web casting, web uh, podcast, I'm sorry. Um, you'll <laughs> see the link to our, to the businesses that we feature each um, podcast so there'll be a link to this business as well mm-hmm. and we want to thank our listeners we are growing we are very excited um we were going back and forth about how long we've been doing this and i thought we were doing it four years but we've only been doing it what did you say tracy three three, three. we've been doing it three years it seems like four um mm-hmm. and we have moved up we started off how did we what did i say tracy you said now you had a different um um remembrance of what made us start but you i remember you saying everybody's doing a podcast we should do one that's that's what i remember but you remembered something different so i I remember saying we should do a podcast i remember saying that and then and then you said okay (laughs) yeah yeah because it was fun i told you lisa when it becomes work then i quit Yes, she's always said that. She's been consistent in saying that. I've been consistent with that. But um, so are we ready for the um, quote today? Today's quote? We are ready which for the I think, Which I think is kind of in line with the, the um, topics today. It says, um, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible. And suddenly you are doing the impossible. And that's by Francis of Assisi. Oh, just want to point out Catholic, just throwing that out there. Okay, go ahead and say it again. I always say, say it twice. <laughs> okay, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible. And suddenly you are doing the impossible. Uh, and with that, we bid you adieu until next time. Thank you so much for joining, for listening. Bye. Bye. bye.